Hi everyone, I'm Gary Knoll. I welcome you to another empowering hour of how we can live a longer, healthier, and happier life. We begin with a study from Shanghai University School of Medicine, and it talks about reducing your visceral fat, and that means you have to take a lot of antioxidants, but can help you prevent diabetes. This was published in Nutrition Research. They looked at 10,399 adults and found a relationship between those who consume the most antioxidants like vitamin C and beta-carotene, vitamin E, coenzyme Q10, and decreased visceral adipose tissue. Now, just so you understand, the visceral adipose tissue surrounds your organs within the abdomen and is associated with an increased risk of metabolic syndrome. And that's deadly. And so anything that can reduce that is important because according to them, they say it is the visceral adipose tissue rather than the subcutaneous adipose tissue that plays a significant role in obesity-related comorbidities. So if you're able to take your antioxidants every day, you're going to reduce your risk of diabetes, cardiovascular disease, metabolic syndrome, and uh, diseases of the fatty liver, and some types of cancer. It's a good study. So take your vitamin A and C and E and carotenoids and selenium and zinc. They're very important. And the higher values, the more antioxidants you take, the lower your visceral adipose tissue, and that helps save your life. From the University of Colorado, a high-fiber diet could inhibit prostate cancer spreading. The Cancer Prevention Research published findings of the University of Colorado Cancer Center, which reveal a protective effect of inositol, I-N-O-S-I-T-O-L, and uh, what is called hexaphosphate, uh, or IP6, against the metastasis of prostate cancer in an animal model of the disease. And inositol hexaphosphate is a compound that is abundant in high-fiber diets, which are more prevalent among non-Western cultures, while having a similar incidence of prostate cancer as Westerners have significantly lower risk of cancer progressing. So, I suggest between 30 and 50 grams of fiber a day from a variety of sources, and that's important. Our next study comes from the University of New Mexico. New research finds microplastics in all human placenta samples tested. Wow. A flurry of recent studies, I've mentioned them here on the program, have found that microplastics are present in virtually everything we consume, from bottled water uh, to meat and plant-based foods, and now they found that it's new in a lot of tools and medicine, but they're not looking at the consequences of what happens. This stuff doesn't go away. When it's in your body, it stays there, and that can disrupt hormones and circulation, and uh, now it's in the human placenta. This was published in the Journal of Toxicological Sciences. So try to have, try to have less dependence on anything plastic. But where is one major place that we get plastic? Well, in the summertime, water bottles heat up. And as a result, when you drink the water, you're drinking microplastics. But another big one is how many times have you seen people promoting foods that you don't have to do anything? It's already made. All you have to do is heat it up. And they tell you that how much time it has to heat. Well, all that's plastic. And to me, that is extremely unhealthy. So what if we did some just basic things? What if we got rid of all of our plastic and started using stainless steel? No aluminum pops or pans. That would help. All right? Good news about coenzyme Q10 from University in Slovakia. It improves children's autism symptoms. That's excellent. And this is from the Journal of Oxidative Medicine and Cellular Longevity. And it published the findings of a uh, ubiquinol, 
the form of coenzyme Q10 that is best absorbed in children with autism. And they found that those who took it for six weeks, just 50 milligrams a day, made a substantial improvement. So alpha-tocopherol, which is vitamin E, gamma-tocopherol, vitamin E, beta-carotene, and, uh, and good probiotics, all are excellent if you're working with anyone with autism. That's the latest on health and nutrition. We're going to take a break and come right back. Please stay with us. And welcome back, everyone. I'm Gary Nall. On yesterday's program, which uh, some individuals were not able to hear, and I don't know if we were played live on BAI or not, but my entire program was developed around the theme that we are not a democracy, even though we use the concept of democracy. And I'm not going to repeat all that I went through because I went through it in great detail. The difference between a republic, which we are, and a constitutional republic, where no one group is so powerful, no one individual like a George Soros who decides he wants to get DAs elected, prosecutors elected, and then start eviscerating our laws. For example, where shoplifting is no longer stealing. Well, why don't you tell that to the two, the $2.2 billion in lost revenue from small businesses in New York City alone last year. For many, it was too much. They simply had to close down. And they had no one on their side. They had no advocates. Not the city council, not the mayor, certainly. Totally compromised. Not anyone in the state, not the governor. No one, no one at the federal level. In fact, to the contrary. If you tried to intercede and try to block someone from leaving your store with your merchandise unpaid for, you would be arrested. In New York City, you would go to jail. You would not get bail because you're innocent. But if you're guilty as hell, well, right out again. In fact, the gang, uh, we only first saw uh, people that we didn't know were part of a gang beating up on two cops. And then we find out why they were, uh, the cops were detaining this person. Then we find out that the people who were arrested were let right out again, and they split. Then we find out that a top leader of that individual gang is now joining forces with MS-13, and that in the previous week, over 165 separate robberies and beatings had occurred from just this one small element in a larger element. Didn't I tell you there were 33,000 gangs, different gangs, with millions of members, and now they're just flooding across from all over the world? Now, that is a separate issue completely from the legitimacy of people who want a better quality of life and are trying to live here. We're unprepared for that. We do them a disservice, and it becomes, in my opinion, abuse. When you allow people in that are not vetted, you don't, they don't speak English, they have no jobs, they have no place to stay, no food to eat, they have no money, and now you exploit them. And, but then who makes the $6,000 $6, per person on a bus that should cost $100 to go from Texas to New York City. That's never discussed. And who makes $33 million for putting up some tents that would cost anyone else probably the maximum a million dollars? And then the tents aren't good for cold weather. And then how likely is it people are going to want to stay in an environment where you've got a thousand other people? No, you can't sleep. There's massive theft, just like there are in shelters. But the consequences of a political action are never thought through. Then again, when was the last time we thought through any political action? Vietnam, uh, the Hir Hiroshima, Nagasaki, the bombing of uh, Dresden, which was not a military target, decimating it. When did we think through? What are the consequences? Yemen supporting a tyrannical regime in uh, Saudi Arabia because we do business with him. So. He is known as a murderer, but that's okay. We can do business, and business succeeds anything in the human, spiritual, ethical, or moral uh, equivalency. And yet we don't seem to be bothered by any of this. The living in this country has become nothing but a series of, of conflict resolutions that are not being resolved. And hence we've been balkanized. Who's behind all this? The same people who are behind Julian Assange. We're going to give you some breaking news on Julian Assange in just a few moments and a commentary from Chris Hedges because everything that they've done against Julian Assange is illegal and they're wrong. Well, who are they? 
who, who wants to see someone put in prison or executed? And the CIA actually had a plan to kill him. But why aren't they held accountable for that? That's illegal. And why is he being brought to the United States when he's an Australian citizen? And why is it that Hillary Clinton is particularly egregious and John Podesta was because her emails, it shows what she was doing with Podesta. And that embarrassed them. So when we find out that Hillary Clinton has got thousands upon thousands of confidential documents, and she had no right to them, and that was against the law per se, she then tries to delete them, deletes 33,000, tries to destroy the evidence. That's obstruction of justice multiple criminal acts, and yet the FBI says, well, we can't really see that she's going to be convicted in court, so we're not going to... My goodness, do they really think we're all that stupid? Evidently. So there's a group of individuals that have superpower, and therefore, when you think and believe that you have a democracy, you do not. And a democracy at the end of the day is mob rule. 51% and you rule. What about the 49.9%? They're subjected to whatever that concept of rule becomes. And so that's why I was playing the different clips yesterday and showing you people challenging people in authority. Now, I, I personally feel that some of the comments of some of the people going after the Attorney General and the head of the FBI and the head of the Homeland Security, they were correct in the questions they were raising I believe they were incorrect in the manner in which they were doing it. You can still oppose someone by still being civil. You don't have to be, you know, show your rage against them. But that's a separate issue. You know, um, so here we have this situation with Assange and everything they did against him, like, for example, the CIA tapped all of his phones and they did it in cooperation with the Spanish security company and uh, the English government, all against the law. Every conversation that Julian had with either his family or his lawyers was taped. Well, you can't intercede and tape record a person with their lawyer when they're in a a sovereign place. And a sovereign place is an embassy. And yet they did it. Where is the outrage by the New York Times? By the way, the New York Times printed exactly what Julian Assange gave them. Why aren't they on trial? But they're not, because he made the mistake of embarrassing the Bush administration and the Obama administration and Podesta and Hillary Clinton and others in power. So he told the truth. Not a single one of his 10,000 documents have been shown to be inaccurate. For telling the truth today in a, quote, democracy, he is now the victim of the power of the what Lord Acton said was absolute power corrupts absolutely. And everyone in power today, in my opinion, is absolutely corrupt. Because otherwise, this wouldn't happen. And, and shame on Trump. For a thousand million things this clown has done, he's an embarrassment to humanity. But that's, that's what he is. He had, a chance to, he had a chance to pardon him. And for political reasons, thinking that the Republicans come against him if he did, because they're all such violent war machines, handy all of them, and he could have pardoned all whistleblowers. That would have been the right thing to do. Maybe the last time he did anything right on an ethical level. Or any of them. Or Obama. And yet people thought, oh, well, these are really good people. By what measure are you measuring anyone's goodness to the society they live in, to the earth, to our future, to sustainability? to cooperation, to forgiveness, ambassadors of peace, none of it. None of that exists, unless it's in your deluded, psychotic mind. And most people are living in a mass psychosis in a so-called democracy where the individual does not count. Remember, in a Republican, in a republic, constitutional republic, you've got power behind you more than a George Soros, more than an Elon Musk or any of the other neocons, you have the Constitution. And that is the final arbiter of all law. And yet look how they just completely abolish all laws. They do things illegally, and they don't care, because everyone else in power that could challenge them are on their side.
That's the danger of mob rule, including in the media. Because if we were really honest and ethical, every single person that promoted the COVID vaccine with certainty and caused people who believed in them to take it and got sick and died, they should get out of the media. And you should know their names and say, it's unfortunate that with all your money and all your celebrity and all your ego and all your self-righteousness, you didn't spend a little bit of time in some of those resources to find the truth because it was there. A lot of people found the truth. No one in the media happened to be a part of that. So that's why where we're at now. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to first start by sharing a few comments on, uh, on what's happening. And before I, before I do that, I was thinking of something this morning. Then I'm going to go to Chris Hedges' commentary on Julian Assange. Then we're going to play a clip on the latest Think about this for a moment, because I just finished uh, talking with six individuals about are they capable, humanly capable of changing, and none of them are, and they, in their own words, they're not. Then what is the outcome if you're not willing to change? Now that's assuming if you're starting with a place with no illnesses, uh, financially secure, and you just don't want to change. Fine. But that's not the case. So even when people are facing death, and I have real personal experience with this more than almost anyone else, because I've counseled tens of thousands of terminally ill people, and 99% of them did not want to change. Even if a healthy life without disease was the outcome, they'd rather die with their dysfunction and their their comfort's in place. Now that's a reality. But then I started thinking this morning, why don't we give a damn about our lives? What do we care about? Distractions? Illusion? Fantasy? Projections? How do we spend our time? Now today we are submitting a new article for peer review publication on the latest anti-aging study. And boy was that revealing because some of the people did magnificently. I mean, wow, when we got the university and its anti-aging foundation to give us the results of the methylation DNA test, and this is the state of the art. It tells you how old are you at your cellular level. It doesn't lie. And then you compare that to your chronological age. My God, some people are twice as old biologically as they are chronologically, so they're just going to die at any time. And if you don't know that, that's a wake-up call, if you choose to be awakened. Some will, most won't. So I started thinking, hmm, what if I put it in a little different context? Here's the latest context. In 2019, the average age in America for a female was 79 years. Today, it's 74. We've lost five years in four years because of COVID and all the comorbidities and unhealthy lifestyle and the stress, etc., and suicide. But then I added up, how much of our life do we really live in a conscious awareness, in balance, in joy and happiness, and love for life, and, and allowing our spirit to explore? Here are the figures. The single activity that takes up the majority of your life is sleeping. 28 years, 20 years of your life you're sleeping. Now five of those years you're dreaming, and like it or not, your dreams are, are simply a mistaken identity of everything in the dream as being reality, and it's not. And it's not even dreaming. 13.2 years are spent working until now. For the last several years, people who had retired they worked, they deserved a retirement, but then the economy went south. A lot of them lost their money in 401ks, pensions, companies closed. So now I'm seeing all over Southwest Florida people working mainly in supermarkets, bagging stuff, or working cash register. So we talked to the people, yeah, they were retired, but they had to come out of retirement. So more than at any time in our history, people are coming out of retirement and at that point, it's stressful for them, but they have to do it. So 
That's a big deal. Also, we spend about 1.5 years of commuting. We spend 2.1 years in elementary and high school. Now, by the way, don't confuse how many years we go to school, 12, to how many hours we spend in school, 5.5 to 6, elementary and then high school, and then 2.8 years uh, in getting a baccalaureate degree. That's different than the four years it takes because not all those four years are taken up with studying. You're also sleeping and doing other things. And even if you get a doctorate, uh, it's 3.8 years. And if you get a MD, it's another total of six years. Now, mind you, these are all times where you don't really have a free life as such. You're committed to learning something, so you can apply that learning to life experiences. Then you have, you ready for this? 11.4 years is spent on screen time, television, social media, smartphones. And by the way, that's higher among younger generation than adults. You spend six years, now mind you, it's more than six years. If you're a parent, it's going to be 18 years. But not every hour of every day do you spend with your children. This is on your household, caring, uh, on raising your children, and the responsibilities concomitant to that. But that's six years out of your life. Then you have 4.5 years of your life is spent just buying food, preparing it, and eating it. And that even accounts for the people that don't make their own food, but order out and, and then eat at home. Then you spend three years traveling, leisure time, vacations, frequently from your home or away from home. You spend 1.3 years exercising, uh, and by the way, that's 10 times less than you do with screen time, but for those of us who are long-distance athletes, um, that's probably four years exercising. You spend one year involved in the high end of romantic relationships, and one year socializing, meaning um, it can be a few more years, depending upon the source, but it means you're communicating with another human being on the internet, online socializing, or in person. You spend one year on the toilet, unless you're the average American, that's probably half your lifetime, because you're constipated. Two-thirds of a year are spent waiting in line, in traffic, in queues, in stores. So what's this mean? Here is the bottom line to this, and this is why it should concern you. The average person today, the average man listening, they can expect to live 74 years, and those will not all be lived in health. From the age of 40 on, you'll start to see the accumulation of different illnesses, limitations, weaknesses you didn't have earlier. What do we do to reverse this, change our lifestyle? No, almost never. We take drugs. And why shouldn't we? Even when the ad says, if you have hay fever and you have a runny nose, take this drug and you won't have the runny nose. And then very fast it says, but it also will cause increase in stroke, heart attack, and uh, paralysis. And for some reason, we seem to cognitively disconnect from anything that challenges our desire to have something in our life. So if we want relievement of pain, we go to a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory, even though one alone, Vioxx, killed probably realistically around a half million people, officially around 70,000 people. But even still, one drug in four years killed more Americans by 50% than all American casualties in 10 years in the Vietnam War. Where are our priorities? Clearly not with health and happiness and individual sovereignty. We have groupthink, a consensus that is functional. Whatever they want us to believe, we have to do. And then they are, have the power with their majority and control of media and corporate interest to get it as laws. Now, if you say the wrong thing, you can be arrested for it. For example, in France, if you in any way, shape, or form criticize COVID, the protocols, vaccines, the people administering Anthony Fauci, you'll be arrested and go to jail for three years and fined 43,000 uh, pounds. So how much time do you actually live 
where you have quality time when you wake up in the day and you can do whatever you want. At the most, it's five years. Five years. Everything else has been trying to prove something or trying to maintain something or trying to achieve something that you feel or others believe will allow you to be respected because you're now more relevant. You're a good, and then fill in the blank, you're a good professional, lawyer, doctor, engineer, but you had to sacrifice a lot for every step in our, in our ethereal wonderment of this dystopian goal that we're going to reach and have all these good things, this stuff, we lose by equal measure something that was essential, invaluable, and non-replaceable. Friendships, relationships with our kids. Where's dad? Oh, he'd love to be at your final soccer game, but he's not been to any of my soccer games. But he, I'm here. I'm the soccer mom. I'm here. And you see that guy, guy over there? I gave him some Kool-Aid with a sedative in it, so you don't have to worry about him beating you. Oh, and the coach, I bribed him. And the kid says, I don't need anyone to do this for me. And then you think, wow, my dad wasn't there when I needed him. Now, I know this personally because I was head of addiction control at Trafalgar Hospital for a long time. Counseled a lot of addicts. And the one thing that stood up, and I've never heard anyone say this, the one reason that these addicts, intelligent as they are, gifted as they are, want to hurt themselves is because they want to hurt their parents. As one young lady said, I'm going to overdose. I'm going to overdose. I've tried to overdose. Why? Why would you want to overdose? To hurt my parents because I despise them? Mom's a lawyer, dad's and They give me everything, but nothing I ask for. I wanted time. I didn't get it. Guidance. I didn't get it. Input. I didn't get it. You know, sitting and having a meal without a cell phone, saying, oh, one, one minute, I got to take this. Going on vacation, it's like, Vacation in your emergency room, you know, in between treating the patient, you turn and smile. That's not a that's not a healthy relationship. And so we have a lot of kids today who don't know what it is to be healthy, happy human beings. What happens do you think when they grow up? Think they're gonna be happy or angry? Look for positive solutions or or moniker themselves as victims and then who they're gonna say, is the culprit. So take an honest look at our society and then ask yourself, how is it that the average person doesn't realize that they've got an expiration date? What would happen if during the night when you're sleeping, suddenly appearing on your toe is a toe tag, a mortician's toe tag, and it says, uh, Vivian, uh, you've given every excuse in the world for not having a life, living codependent needs, more so than anything else. Well, you've only got 1.3 years to live, and you can't take the toe tag off. It's there. And you think, every day is a day less? Yeah, because I just gave you an idea that most people are not living an authentic life. They're living by artificial commitments. Was it not Thoreau who said, either be a good citizen or a good person? I choose a good person, because I see what happens when a society is controlled by the people who can buy influence, pay for lobbyists, control whole institutions, and therefore you have no rights as an individual. And we see the results of that now everywhere in our society. And <clears throat> total censorship. That's it, I give you that as background, because that's exactly what they've done to join Assange. Where are the protests? Outside of a few hundred people here and there, you don't see him. Chris Hedges. He is as close to a living oracle as we could have. This is his Chris Hedges report, Julian Assange's Grand Inquisitor. Now, this is something you did not know. Quote, The prosecution lawyers in the high court seeking to ensure Julian's extradition to the United States rely almost exclusively on the judicial opinions of Gordon Kromberg, that's K-R-O-M-B-E-R-G, a highly controversial U.S. attorney. The prosecution for the United States, which is seeking to deny Julian Assange's appeal of an extradition order, began by the Trump administration and embraced by the Biden administration, grounded its arguments on Wednesday 
in the dubious affidavits filed by U.S. federal prosecutor in the Eastern District of Virginia, Gordon Cromberg. The charges articulated by Cromberg, often false, to make the case for extradition did not fly with the two high court judges, Jeremy Johnson and Dame Victoria Sharp, who are overseeing Julian's final appeal in the British courts. The prosecuting attorneys under questioning from the judges were knocked off balance when challenged about the veracity of several of their claims, which Kronberg made in support of the indictment against Julian Assange. This was especially the case when the attorneys argued that the classified documents Julian released in 2010, known as the Iraq and Afghan war logs, were not redacted. These unredacted documents, they told the court, jeopardized the lives of those named in the documents and caused some to, quote, disappear. A defense lawyer, Edward Fitzgerald, and Summer, uh, Mark Summers, made clear, and the judges seemed to acknowledge, the documents were indeed redacted by Joyan as he worked with media partners such as The Guardian, The New York Times, when WikiLeaks published classified military documents concerning the Afghanistan and Iraq wars, along with U.S. State Department cables. The unredacted versions were first published by the website Cryptome, after two reporters from The Guardian published a book with the passcode to the documents, leading to their publication by other online organizations, but not Julian Assange. Julian contacted U.S. government, as Summers told the court, and spoke to them at length in an attempt to prevent the unredacted cables from being published. In the end, the U.S. State Department chose not to act. U.S. officials have sheepishly admitted they have no evidence, none, of anyone named in the documents being harmed. Other allegations, such as that Julian tried to help Chelsea Manning, who leaked the documents, decode a password hash to access documents or protect her identity, or that he sought to conspire with uh, computer hackers, have been debunked. A report provided to Judge uh, Barrister by the U.S. military forensic expert found that even if Manning was able to decode the password hash, which neither she nor anyone at WikiLeaks ever did, it would not have provided access to documents. It would not have provided her with anonymity, and it would not have given her access to the documents, which she did not already have. The expert also described that someone with Manning's technical knowledge, scale, and expertise, as well as her lawful access to top-secret documents and materials, would have known this. But these Kronberg-inspired canards are all the U.S. has, so it uses them. By the end of the day, it seemed likely that probably by April, since requested written briefs have to be turned into the judges in March, the two judges will permit an appeal or at least a few of the points. This will, conveniently for the Biden administration, which I expect does not want to take on the contentious issue of extraditing Julian while fueling the genocide in Gaza, mean that any extradition will occur after the election. The two-day hearing was Julian's last chance to request an appeal of the extradition decision made in 2022 by the then British Home Secretary, uh, Pritit Patel, and of many of the ruling's district judge, Vanessa Beresloster, Barris in 2021. If Julian is denied an appeal, he can request the European Court of Human Rights uh, for a stay of execution under Rule 39, which is given in, quote, exceptional circumstances, and quote, only where there is an imminent risk of irreparable harm, end quote. But it's possible the British court could order Julian's immediate extradition prior to a Rule 39 instruction or decide to ignore a request for the, uh, uh, this and allow Julian uh, not to have his day in court. The CIA seeks Julian's imprisonment in the U.S. because of the release of the documents known as Vault 7, which exposed hacking tools that permit the CIA to access our phones, our computers, our televisions, 
uh, turning them even when switched off into monitoring and recording devices. The formal extradition request does not include charges based upon the release of the Vault 7 files, but the U.S. request also came after the release of the Vault 7 material. The CIA usually gets what it wants, but for the near future, ex expect Julian to continue to rot in the uh, prison, uh, Belmarsh, where he has been imprisoned for nearly five years as he deteriorates physically and psychologically. This slow-motion execution is intentional. Well, I think one thing that uh, he possibly uh, forgot to put in or chose not to was that when was the last time that anyone in power in Great Britain, any prime minister, chose to go against the powers in Washington, D.C.? Can you name it such a time? Think of all the crimes against humanity they've engaged in, from Tony Blair to this, you know, real character, Boris Johnson, who I did a ex whole expose on him recently to share with you. Five different children with five different women while he was still married. And now there's a guy with ethics. So anyhow, um, that's where we stand. So the bottom line is this, Occam's razor. We have a man who committed no crime against humanity, but did expose the crimes against humanity of Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, the Bushes, etc. And for embarrassing them, he must pay a price. Is that a democracy in action? That's a perfect example of democracy at work. Majority control in any institution. And if you have bad characters, you're going to have a bad outcome. Now we're going to go to a clip. And this clip is just today. And I want to thank the good people redacted, Clayton Morris and his wife, for having a form that presents the truth. I don't agree with them on a lot of things, but on a lot I do. Here is everything up to date as of today. It's a short clip. Let's go right, to it now. Day two of the Julian Assange appeals hearing in the UK, and the prosecution rested its case this afternoon. Yesterday, we heard from the defense making compelling arguments, of course, that Julian Assange should not be extradited to the United States, not the least of which is his health problems. He's not seen his family. And yes, he is not doing very well in Belmarsh prison. Also, this is politically motivated. And you cannot extradite someone when it's politically motivated. That literally is part of the statute. So all of those compelling arguments yesterday, were they undone today by the prosecution laying out their case in front of the judge? Independent journalist Taylor Hudak is in the courthouse over the past few days, and she's been doing an amazing job covering what the defense and now the prosecution have been saying. And she filed this report for Redacted just a short time ago outside the courthouse. of Justice in London. We just wrapped up day two of the appeal hearing in the extradition proceedings of WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange. Now, similar to yesterday when I arrived at the courthouse, despite the rain, there were hundreds of protesters gathered outside to demonstrate their support. And you can still see there are people behind me outside the courthouse showing their support for free speech and Julian Assange. Now, inside the courtroom today, the Crown Prosecution Service, representing the U.S. government, presented their rebuttal to the defense arguments that were presented yesterday. Claire Dobbin, for the prosecution, spent quite a bit of time addressing the association between Julian Assange and whistleblower Chelsea Manning. It was Manning who leaked documents on the Iraq and Afghanistan wars to Julian Assange, which he then published through WikiLeaks. Now, on this point, Dobbin, for the prosecution, made several attempts to separate Assange's activities from that of a journalist, stating that Assange encouraged and solicited Manning to provide more information and that he publicly asked others to provide material to WikiLeaks. Now, of course, this is news-gathering techniques that journalists engage in all the time. You encourage your sources to provide more information, and to seek to criminalize this behavior will set a dangerous global precedent. One must also ask, is it right for judges, politicians, and state officials to determine who is and who is not a journalist? Is it up to public officials to decide what is responsible journalism? 
Now moving on to a related point, the prosecution repeatedly stated that WikiLeaks published the names of informants in their releases and thus potentially put lives at risk. This was strongly countered by the defense in which they argued that WikiLeaks actually took the time to redact the names. It was one of the media partners who published in his book the password to a media file which included those documents unredacted. Right after Assange had learned of this at the time, he went to great lengths to reduce harm. In fact, he had a phone call, which has been published on Project Veritas, which was also verified by WikiLeaks editor-in-chief Kristen Raffinson as authentic, in which Assange warns the State Department about this incident of the circulating password. Also, other organizations were the first to publish the documents unredacted. Even the judge today made a point to the prosecution, stating that by the time WikiLeaks had published this information, redacted by the way the publications were already available on several websites so this does raise the question why is WikiLeaks being prosecuted this argument points to a very important point here that this is in fact a selective prosecution the defense made another very strong point stating that the prosecution is relying on the US UK extradition treaty to prosecute Assange but they ignore the safeguards and protections within the treaty namely article 4 which prevents extradition for political offenses but the prosecution instead cites the UK extradition act which is domestic law and does not include a provision which prevents extradition for political offenses now this hearing has of course concluded it is wrapped up this is the final day and it is up to these two judges to examine the evidence presented and then issue a decision at the end of the hearing this afternoon the judges stated that they will stay the decision and they ordered for both parties the defense and prosecution to submit the relevant documents in the coming weeks now there's just a few more points that i want to share with the viewers that are important to note if assange is extradited to the united states he would be tried in the Eastern District, Court of Virginia, where no national security defendant has ever won a case. It is highly likely that the jury would be comprised of members of the intelligence community, their family members and friends. This has also been discussed by former CIA whistleblower John Kiriakou. Therefore, the jury would be highly prejudiced against Assange. He would also be subjected to SAMs, or special administrative measures, which is beyond just solitary confinement. Given that he is charged with espionage, he would not be able to provide a public interest defense. So those are just a few points. I'm barely scratching the surface here on what he could face in a U.S. prison. That's all I have for today. That concludes the hearing as well. I will continue to cover this case. As soon as we have a decision, I will report on it for Activism Munich. And you could also follow my updates, of course, on Telegram at Taylor Hudak. My channel is Taylor Hudak Media. I'm also on Twitter at underscore Taylor Hudak. And I also do report for The Last American Vagabond. So again, a great pleasure Eric, to be back here me? to provide you all yeah. with the updates. Right, now is a very important point in this case. As I said yesterday, talk to your friends, family right, members, now, neighbors, raise awareness. Don't stop fighting for your rights and for your right to know and have access. I have another issue that I think is important, and I'm sure many of you over the past uh, two years have watched an American journalist, a born in Argentina but an American citizen. His name is Gonzalo Lira, and he would be broadcasting a very honest and accurate account of what was going on in Ukraine. And uh, he speaks the language, and then he gets arrested. And I thought that was going to be inevitable. So they arrest him. And then he seems shaken. Uh, he's out of the picture for months and months. And then he comes back. And he didn't tone it back much. But then he realizes that he's not going to live being there. They're going to kill him. And so he gets on a motorcycle and heads for the border. And then they capture him right at the border. And they put him in prison and they kill him. They tortured him. Not a single comment in the American media about it, nor from our State Department. So why is it that one person, by the way, um, I'm going to be having Glenn Greenwald and others, and Max Blumenthal, who know more about the Russian dissident uh, who died, and yet all of our energy is on that. You don't know about his background. You don't know about the 
secret recordings that uh, were done about him. And he was a CIA, according to these CIA asset. In any case, we're going to show you the difference. One guy, there's no coverage at all. The other guy, it's nonstop. Selective rage. But why did our State Department not go after the defense of Gonzalez Lira to get him out of the country? They could have. They could certainly have put a spotlight on it and prevented him from being executed. But they didn't, as if he didn't exist. So this is what's happening in the world that we live in today. Those who have power are not surrendering it, nor are they being held responsible for acts that end up hurting humans or whole populations like the vaccines. And interesting that we have thousands and thousands of documents, scientific articles now, supporting everything that they did and suggested and, and demanded were all wrong. Every single thing was wrong. And yet, no one has been fired, and now the lawsuits are starting. We'll see the outcome. seems the more powerful you are, the more protected you become. Until you're not just one corporation, one person, one vote, you know, one person like George Rose can control the outcome of whole elections. How fair is that? As I've said all along, for decades, we should take every single penny out of uh, politics, every single penny. In fact, make it against the law to uh, fund people, lobbyists, foundations, NGOs, or anyone else. Run on your merits. And there's a way of doing that. I wrote an article, how about, how a, you know, a person owns a small business, a teacher, Anyone from any walk of life could run for office and have a fair chance of being elected if their policies inspire public confidence. But that's not going to happen because those in power are not going to surrender it. Also, I just read an article this morning, and I'm posting this on uh, PRN.live. Quote, TV drug ads are not about selling more pharmaceuticals. They're about big pharma buying off the media. Quote, all those obnoxious pharmaceutical commercials that get laced into just about every television and cable news show program that airs in the United States these days might seem like they are simply about selling more drugs and getting people hooked. But Big Pharma's true agenda is actually much more sinister than that. Former pharmaceutical industry insider Kaylee Means speaks to Tucker Carlson recently about what he describes as an open secret within the pharmaceutical industry. In essence, Means says that Big Pharma is buying the media with all those ads, which allows the drug industry to control what gets broadcasted on television and across the Internet. Quote, you're saying that the pharma buy TV ad spots not to convince people to ask for a specific drug from their physicians, but to subvert the news business. Quote, this is an open secret within working within pharma kind of silly ads you see between the news breaks. The point of that is not, it's largely to impact the customer, but pharma has already got that. They've already bought off the doctors. They're good on that too. The news ads spending from pharma is a public relations lobbying tactic, essentially to buy off the news. They're not investigating pharma. The news has become basically uh, a referee, that you are a, a terrible anti-science ludike for asking why the shots that we require our kids to get, that fundamentally, by their own advertising, change the immune system of that child's life. And now it goes on from there and talks about that interesting concept because many people who are aware of the topic have been aware for a long time Yes, these individuals within Big Pharma, they give huge amounts of money, as does Bill Melinda Gates and other major players, and so they can control even without saying it, they can control content. And I know that for a fact because a friend of mine at PBS who was fund, was the program director for all their fund drives at a major PBS station told me, she said, when you're on the air, I'll get the same people calling in, local doctors saying, he's saying things that are not true. 
I then send them the peer-reviewed literature showing that everything you said was absolutely correct, they don't care about the truth. And then they talk about turning off the funding. And she said that this is really difficult because the station relies upon funding from the Koch brothers and other places. And they don't call up on the phone and say, censor this person, but they let you know that they don't like that programming. And then a person realizes they want to keep their job, they don't allow that person back on again. So a lot of our media is controlled, and all the mainstream media is controlled. That's why you don't see any of the truth on any of these topics. When was the last time they did an honest, honest report on Julian Assange? Kind of difficult for the New York Times to do that since they've used so many of his articles. The very articles that he is in prison for, they've published. So why aren't they being held equally accountable? But they're not. Again, how you're treated in the legal system will depend upon which side of the ideological equation you choose to be on. We're up to 52 minutes in our program, and I'm going to uh, ask people who would like to share their points of view to call in at 888-874-4888. Now, while that's going on, I want to go back again just so that you understand what I'm saying in its completeness. In simpler times, let's say before the 1970s, and really much uh, longer, people spent more time together. They spent more time on hobbies, spent more time reading. I remember growing up, every time I went into my my great uncle's uh, house, uh, he was an engineer. I would see him reading. And my aunts and uncles all read a lot. They engaged in social activities. One was a softball coach during the summer and a basketball coach for Parksburg High during the winter. Kept physically active. Everyone was doing something that showed an appreciation for the life they were living. And they would have uh, covered dish dinners on a regular basis where the poor in the congregation would come and take home a lot of food. Uh, but they cared about one another. They cared about their society. They cared about the street they lived on. They cared about their family. And think of how we lived then and the stress we were under then and how we live today. How much money did we make then? Then how in the world did we have no bills? Everyone owned a house. The mortgage was 2% on GI loans. And there was quality of community. And now you can't even mention that. Isn't it uh, the case that uh, a, major, a major university says, uh, warned in a letter this week, do not use the word a mother and father because it will offend students? Wow. Think of that. Can't use that word, mother or father? What do you want to put it in its place? Breastfeeding mammal? Testicular sperm producing person. I mean, it's, you've got at some point stop being neutral and take a side, especially when everything that we have lived for, with all of its imperfections, still has an awful lot going for it. And our modern society today is just very frenetic, it's very passive. It's passive pa they want us to be passive spectators. And where are the billions and billions of dollars going today in investments, venture capital, and artificial intelligence? But why would you want artificial intelligence if the side effect of that or the intended effect is to create more profit for corporations by getting rid of all the people that are not needed, which could be, in the next five years, up to 70% of the entire workforce? What are you going to do when people have got massive amounts of debt? Well, then, of course, you're going to do the right thing. You're going to forgive the debt, but also... You're going to own their house, their car. They'll rent everything, and there won't be a job for them because artificial intelligence will be doing that. But they'll be able to have their own um, meta reality show with thousands of different features. They can spend the whole day when they wake just being in this virtual re universe. The, if this was the early 1930s, this would be uh, Soma in, uh, in Brave New Universe. Aldous Huxley's book, or 1984, and where the state 
is the only truth. And what do you hear now? We want all things censored, and we will have special foundations and groups of disinformation specialists. Anything said that we disagree with is disinformation. The person will be completely erased, and so the only information you'll get is what we find is officially correct. And we're there now. We've been there. Wikipedia, walk away from that. And Facebook, and, uh, well, so if you'd like to call in and share your thoughts, 888-874-4888. But in spite of all this, I still see a positive outcome. What is the positive outcome? That when, when you have been completely disconnected from reality, the reality of the world we live in, of cause and effect, there's a point to where so much goes wrong, so much begins to collapse, so many lies are exposed, so many people are shown to be on the wrong side of everything that you can't hide from it any longer. You've got kicking and screaming, open your eyes, I don't want to. Open your ears, I don't want to. Find your voice, why should I? Ralph Nader will do it for me. No, that's a selfish life you've lived. And how much of your life has been relevant to anything? And today... We don't ask about meritocracy or relevance. We want everyone not to lose. Therefore, no one can win. So where does it allow us to grow and seek higher levels of awareness? Well, we don't want that. So the next Super Bowl, there'll be no winners, no losers. And to qualify the Super Bowl, nobody can win or lose. And to go on to any athletic team following the meritocracy system they want, equity, that no one should be excluded. I see. So if you're a uh, morbidly obese athlete who is visually impaired, you can run out and take, take the place of a quarterback today. Absolutely. I see. And if you want to be a neurosurgeon, you don't have to take any of those pesty tests. No. Too much time. So just here's a scalpel. Go ahead and do your business. Do you realize once you start spiraling down, it doesn't stop until there's some major accident? By the way, a wing started to fall off of a plane just this week, and a door fell off another plane uh, just five days ago. And no one's asking about what happened to the quality of me mechanical, uh, mechanical work on planes. Now we're finding out the truth. They're all outsourced. And almost everything is outsourced today. Why don't we care about that? We should. So I see the good news coming when the bad news is so bad that even the most diehard denialist must face it. Then the good news kicks in because then you're off their grid. You no longer have uh, allow them to have power over your choices, what you're watching, what you're reading, what you're seeing, the therapies you're receiving, where holistic medicine and alternative medicine is, is supported, where natural food growing, organic growing, not GMOs, is promoted where sustainable agriculture, sustainable living uh, is the norm. And a lot of millions of Americans are doing that right now. But they're not recognized. They're the outliers. But the worse it gets, the better it becomes. Because no institution has ever been reformed. They have to be allowed to collapse completely. Then what takes its place will not come from the billionaire class or the power class because they've been completely uh, set aside. But then real people who want a quality of life and want to spend those years they do have and put more years in actually enjoying life, enjoying people, enjoying the planet they live on, and have a commitment to their higher sense of self. If you spend your whole life picking the lowest hanging fruit, one day you're not going to be able to reach those low hanging fruit because you picked them all and yet the whole tree is filled with fruit, and you say, oh, I'm starving, I'm starving, I need help. Do you? Well, that's where our perception is right now, for many, not all. So, I see good things happening as institutions collapse, and those who sponsored them are called out. So we no longer know, uh, we, we now know, and no longer have to be uh, convinced of who we shouldn't be believing and trusting and who we shouldn't be listening to or watching and, and who we shouldn't be voting for.
So you see, it's a, it's a, it is a chimeric of opposites. Two equal concepts at work, but which one is one is the one that dominates, has control, and they call it democracy. Now use that. Just remember George Bush. We're going in there and we're going to liberate Iraq and give it democracy and freedom. We gave it neither freedom nor democracy, and no one challenged George Bush, even to this day. So we've got to, we've got to, we've got to be better at critical thinking. And I know many of you already are. You're doing the right things. So don't be the person that gets a toe tag saying you have a short time to live because you haven't appreciated the life you had and you weren't willing to make changes. Everybody has an excuse for not doing the right thing. And the irony of it is, no matter what choice you make, for you it'll be the right choice until one day you get a knock on the door and you go and you open it up and there's karma. Saying it's time. It's not time. I gotta help my 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 daughters move. That they're they're able to move. They're in their forties. They can do that. You don't need to do that. I've got to find some way of distracting myself. No. No, you do that. And you were allowed to do anything you wanted. But now, look at your toe tag. There's a time and a date on it, and that's now. But I want another chance. You've had a hundred chances. You don't get any more. No more. Think of that now, because those of you who want to be in the upcoming anti-aging study, you've got to prove to Luann that you're not going to be bringing all of your weaknesses, your insecurities, your anger, your rage, your limitations, your denial, your self-absorbed narcissism in, because she's screening all that out. So the people are in the next time really want to live a fully fulfilling and meaningful life. Have a nice day, everyone.